It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Good morning. How are we? Uh, normally, the first Sunday of the month, we'll kind of focus in on our podcast uh, people and celebrate them. Uh, it's important for us here to remember that all we see isn't all there is and that God uses technology to reach people that we haven't even met yet. Now, that's next Sunday, first Sunday of the month, in case you're thinking, really? I thought, it, uh, but we're cooking up something a bit different next week. So I'm taking the opportunity today, although it's five Sundays in May, so there's that, uh, to celebrate this month. We've had uh, 20 people uh, download our podcast from 22 countries around the world, including, um, I believe, two new countries to our podcast audiences, Poland and Austria. So how about we welcome, give a shout out to our podcast people around the world. Fantastic. And this, um, those of you joining by podcast, obviously here this morning, is the second week of a series we launched last week, simply called Simple. And really, the timing of it was inspired by a conversation I kind of sat in, sort of, uh, with one of our Elevate groups a couple of weeks ago. And they were just riffing with one another, just some of their experiences that they've had both in recent times and just sort of over the, the months uh, preceding, when it came to sharing with their friends and the people in their sphere about Jesus and just how uh, quickly um, various notions and, and misconceptions would come forward. And what I wanna do with this series is just strip everything back to the studs and rather than kind of try to look at Jesus through the various layers that have been put in over the years in different settings, and maybe you've experienced it as well, um, to actually really get down to who Jesus actually is and what He actually calls us to. And one of the best vantage points, which kind of sounds obvious once you, you say it, is to look at Jesus through the lens of His eyewitnesses, the people who were actually physically with him, following him in close proximity, front row seat, in some cases over three plus years while he was in his public interaction. And in fact, one of them is John. John was one of Jesus' hand-picked followers. He also became one of Jesus' biographers. Later in his life, um, he kind of you know, wrote a biography of, of Jesus and, and Jesus' public time. And this is something that John included in his biography. We got the basics from Moses. So John's referring to like the 10 commandments. Like this was sort of like the jump off point and this, these commandments have served us well. You know, don't murder. Pretty hard to disagree with that one. Um, despite what some Netflix documentaries will tell you. Uh, got the basics from Moses and then this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding and all of this came through Jesus, the Messiah. No one has ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse, but this one of a kind God expression who exists at the very heart of the Father has made him plain as day. So, you know, 
John cast back saying, we got the basics from Moses and, and they're important and they matter and they've served us well. But then we got this incredible upgrade. Things just leveled up like bonkers, exuberant, giving and receiving, endless knowing and understanding, all done through Jesus. And then John drops a bomb. John equated Jesus with God. And you just didn't do that like ever in that culture. But, but, but what John was trying to get across as someone who had a front row seat is Jesus, one of his, the reasons he came to earth was to actually show people what God is like. And that John's experience was that having followed Jesus around for many, many years, he, he, he got to see God in the flesh. And he's now telling people, hey, if you wanna know what God's like, look to Jesus, learn about Jesus. Because there was a lot of confusion at that time about what God was like. No different today, maybe worse today. Who God is, what He's like, why He does certain things, why He doesn't do certain things. Just this like, and, and John says, you wanna know what God's like, look to Jesus. And these misconceptions and, and, and wrong notions, you know, they existed in the system that, that had been created, the, the religious system. It was a very, very complicated religious system that Jesus actually, when he entered into earth, he, he actually entered into the epicenter of that religious system. And that system had some bonkers ideas of what God was like. For example, they assumed and they lived with the assumption that if you were sick, it's either because you had sinned or your parents had sinned. And so you were viewed through the lens, if you had sickness, you were viewed not just through the lens of someone who was medically ill, you were viewed through the lens of someone who was, wonder what you did. And you lived with that. You carried that stigma around. And they thought that's what God, how God operated. Here's one. Sometimes people still believe this today. It was assumed that if you were very rich, that you were living with God's blessing. <laughs> and if you were very poor, you were being punished by God. And so there was that two-speed value system of, of people. And Jesus came in and said, whoa, time out. This is wrong. Like, it's not just off, it's, it's wrong. And, and I'm going to show you what God's like. And actually by you getting to know what God's like, it will open up a door for a new and better relationship with God. So, so Jesus didn't drop into that culture and, and the first thing he, he did, we didn't like, like hold a three-day conference for the religious leaders to kind of straighten them out. Um, he didn't you know, write an open letter, the front page of the Jerusalem Herald to call out the religious leaders and all their nonsense. He, he, he went about giving people a very simple invitation as the jump off point to this new relationship. And the, and the, and the invitation was, follow me, come follow me. And Jesus had the confidence that as people, if, by the way, if 
and as people chose to follow him, that in time, they will get to see what God's like. And many of them, not all, will choose to want to believe in him. But his jump off point was followed. Now, if I could, I mean, I have powers, but I don't have infinite powers. Uh, if I had infinite powers, I would, I would make you listen to last week's podcast. Not because I preached it, but because today's message and then the next message in this series only makes sense if we understand Jesus' approach to building a relationship. So that's on our podcast. Go back. And I'll just give you the spoiler. Jesus' approach was follow and is follow, believe, and I want to talk about that today. And then in the next installment, obey. And I don't want you to get too concerned and too frightened. Obey, obey. Nobody gets to tell me what to do. Well, no, here's the thing. Jesus does get to tell you what to do, but he doesn't force you to comply. And in fact, here's a little kind of preview Jesus trusts that as you follow him and come to believe in him, that it will actually create a desire in us to want to obey because we get to see that he wants to lead us to better. He wants to transform us to better. So in this case, the call to obedience isn't punishment. It isn't go to the time out, Matt. It's, man, I'm starting to see that if I choose to do what Jesus says, aka obey, I'm gonna start to see the world and get the sort of transformation that only comes through doing what Jesus calls us to do. Anyway, we'll get to that. But Jesus' biographers documented this this very uh, clear approach that as people, many of them, followed him, that they began to believe in him. Not just believe in his teachings, not just believe in his ethics and morals, because even people who wouldn't call themselves Christians today, many of them will still give Jesus a thumbs up for his teaching and, a, and, a, and two thumbs up for, for his morals and ethics. But the call to believe was actually a call to believe in he is who he claims to be. And, and, and that's the thing that makes all the difference, not just doing the stuff, giving the thumbs up to the guy, but actually, man, you are sent by God as the son of God and you're making God known and you're making it possible for people to have a personal relationship with God. That is new. <laughs> in fact, Jesus' followers hit a fork in the road at one point as his followers. Um, there was a broader crowd than just his uh, hand-picked 12, a broader crowd that were following him around and about. And Jesus dropped this teaching on them that was so out of control that a significant number of those people who had been following him up to that time chose in that moment to unfollow him. And I don't mean on social media unfollow, I mean literally literally walk away. Like, uh, uh, well, yep, Jesus, it's been a great ride, but uh, I'm out. And you're like, you know, if you're a Jesus follower now, you're like, people actually walked away from Jesus? It's like, yeah, they did. And guess what? 
They still do. And, and you're like, yeah, but they're missing. Yeah, but that's right. And in fact, here's the warning side, uh, warning uh, thing for us. One of the things that makes it easy for people, for some people to walk away from Jesus having followed him before is, is when he pushes, he pushes you to have to address whether you're following him on his terms or your terms. That you'll follow him up to a point, but then when he kind of, you know, takes it one step too far, you're like, ah, doesn't sound comfortable. I'm gonna go back to the opening scene of Wally movie. Drink my big slow pee. Anyway, that's just a bonus thought. So this, so literally crowds just left and, and, and he, it's only his 12 that stayed. I mean, that's gotta, you know, have some potential to be a little bit discouraging. Man, I abandoned heaven for this. So Jesus pivots and, and says to the 12 merry men and asks them, well, you, you wanna quit as well? Like you wanna, no, and, and just back the slide up there. Peter replied, um, master, uh, Peter, the spokesperson, self Nominated, but you know, whatever. Uh, is it not there? Okay, well, listen to me. So John recorded this. Peter replied on behalf of the other 11. Master, to whom would we go? You have the words of real life, eternal life. We've already committed ourselves confident that you are the Holy One of God. Their belief was unshakable even when the majority of the people gathered in that setting walked away. All right. Let me introduce you to something Paul wrote to the church in Rome. If you've got your Bible app or your Bible, uh, pop it over to Romans uh, chapter three. Now, Paul was one of the, the, the pioneers of the early church. I kind of like an Elon Musk figure in the early church. At least he was when he was writing letters like this. But this was not his backstory. His backstory is that he was previously a Jewish religious leader, one of the people that Jesus had problems with. And, 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 and he actually, after Jesus died, rose again, went back to heaven, the church was growing. Paul was one of the people that, that, that uh, acted on behalf of the Jewish faith to try and quash these Jesus followers because they saw them both as heretics and as a threat to the existing religious system. So Paul's mission, like paid, like career, was to imprison Jesus' followers at best or execute at worst. And then he had a belief moment put before him. And he chose, having met Jesus for himself, Stripped back to the studs, outside of the religious system, he chose to put his faith that Jesus was and is who he claimed to be. And Paul had a 180 degree moment. He went from not just skeptic and cynic, but actually enemy to like the best follower that there was. And, and, I, and I double click on that because I hope that we can take encouragement by that. 
because there's some people in your sphere that you might think they're about 180 degrees away from following Jesus. And anytime you talk about Jesus and anytime you mention Jesus, they're like, uh, sorry, change topic. And, and, and if, if, if Jesus can cause this transformation in Paul, then there's incredible hope for the people in your sphere as well. So Paul writes this letter to Rome. Now, he hadn't actually been there. This church kind of uh, popped up organically. And so had, they had this belief. They, they'd been followers. They, they had this belief growing. But they didn't have a lot of structure to their faith. It was like, we believe in Jesus and we, we, we don't know much else. And so Paul kind of wrote a letter with some instruction and some framework about what Jesus did and, and, and why it matters. So Paul writes, but in our time, something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed all these years has happened. This, the God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. See, this was new because up to then, the religious system was about us trying to set things right. People trying to make sacrifices. People trying to live in such a way that you hoped at the end of a good week or a good quarter or a good year, you had more things in the good column than the bad column that the scales would kind of you know, swing in your favor. And maybe if they do, uh, God will kind of you know, not be so upset at you. And if they don't, if the, the balance of the scales is too many things in the bad column, then just get some more sacrifices and go and sacrifice them in the temple and you get a reset, you get a do-over. And it was all about us, 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 us. And Paul highlights that this new, better thing is God setting things right because of Jesus setting things right. And he wasn't writing from a theoretical perspective. He was writing as somebody who had an encounter and turned his life around 180 degrees from the other system. You know, Paul actually elsewhere, he, he went on a bit of a humble brag elsewhere and said that when I was a religious leader, I was like the best. I was, I was, like, I was like the MVP. Like the 600 rules kept them all. No one else did, but I did. He wrote that down. And he goes, but, but that's not, but Jesus, he, there's a better way. And Paul's, Paul, the guy that was good at the previous system, <laughs> he's now saying there's even a better approach. And this is what it is. And that wasn't the only new thing. Paul says, not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there's no difference between us and them in this. And, and Paul's us and them, it's kind of, it's not irrelevant, but, but, the, but, but the, the, the thing today is, that whoever the us and them is, us who are already believers and those that aren't believers, yeah, yeah, sure, this applies then. Then it would have applied him saying, just inferring whether you're Jewish or whether you're a Gentile, whether you're a Roman, that's who he's writing to, or whether you're a Greek, mortal enemies, whether you're um, old, young, tax collector, fisherman, whatever, the thing, the thing we all have in common is sin. And the thing Jesus came to defeat was sin. And he made that gift available to everyone, not just a chosen few. Now, yeah, sure, different sins have different consequences, but they all separate us from God. It's like, it doesn't, it's like missing a plane. 
Doesn't matter if you're a minute late or a day late, you missed the plane. And so this is new. This is massively new because the religious system of the day assumed and operated on the assumption that the God that they worshiped was only the God of the Israelites, that he was their God and, and, and not available to anybody else. And Paul's now saying, hello, this is now a triple A pass. This is an access all areas. Anybody who wants to put their faith in Jesus can have their sins forgiven and be restored into a relationship with God. That is new and it's better. All right, he continues. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, like there's no kind of whitewashing this uh, here. Uh, yep, both us and them. And proved that we are utterly incapable, this is like just gets depressing the more you read, of living the glorious lives God wills for us. What a wet blanket Paul is. I mean, come on now. Now, we don't use the word sin too much because it's not very PC. You calling me a sinner? No, no, Paul's calling you a sinner. I'm just reading it. <laughs> don't shoot the messenger, people. But we reframe it because what's sin? I mean, we're in this pluralistic, subjective culture. Well, what's sin to you is not sin to me. What's wrong to you? What's not wrong to me? Who are you to tell me what's right, what's wrong? Look, we just, we like to use the phrase around here, things that are less than God's best, okay? And that's not sugarcoating it. No, that's lying. That's gossiping. And yeah, it's serial killing. It's all of those things fall into that category. But it's thinking things less than God's best. It's saying things less than God's best. It's doing things less than God's best. And here's the deal. We all do them. We all think them. We all say them. And God's, He's like, I've got better for you. But you can't do it on your own. And we're like, oh, well, okay, sure. Yeah, I, I guess I probably do some th things that are less than God's best. Well, if you're not sure, ask your spouse. Ask your parents, ask your kids. They will assure you that you're a sinner, okay? Make that the topic of conversation over Sunday lunch today. It'll be a fun time had by all. Make a list of each other's sins if you really wanna to go to town on this. <clears throat> we say, yeah, okay, all right, fair enough. Guilty as charged, I guess. But look, I'm not as bad as that person. It's like, yeah, but they're not the gold standard that we're judged against. God's the standard. He's the benchmark. And, and like it or not, all of us <laughs> fall short of that standard because He is perfect. Which All of this would be a problem if this was the end of the story, but you'll see an ellipsis there. You'll see a comma in some of your Bibles. Paul, he like, look, I'm just gonna make sure you understand there's a problem, all right? But now let's, Let's go back to the solution side of this. God, <clears throat> we were utterly incapable. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, He put us in right standing with Himself. A pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where He always wanted us to be. And He did it by means of Jesus Christ. Now, my fellow Australians, 
I know what some of you are thinking. You read the three letters in one sentence there, a pure gift, and you think to yourself, yeah, sure. What's the catch? Sign up for our exclusive subscriber list today and get a pure free gift. And our cynical Aussies are like, yeah, no. I want to read the fine print, please. Uh, Purchase this today for the low, low price of $19.95 and get a pure gift. And yes, I know we all expect steak knives at this point, but we, there's some things like, really? When it sounds too good to be true, we're like, what's the catch? And Paul's saying, no, no, there's, there's no catch. And not only is there no catch, you can't get this by earning. This is not available to you by earning it. It's a pure gift. The only way you can take hold of what Jesus has made available is by just receiving it as a pure gift. No strings attached, no catch. Huh, all right. And again, he was in the system where earning was the only way that people were given an opportunity to maybe try to make things right with God. And he's saying that doesn't work. It's broken. There's something new and something better and earning's not even a part of it. Which for them would have been like a massive relief. No more buying doves or taking my best lamb to the temple. It's like, no, Jesus did it for us. In fact, the picture is like a buyback transaction. It's like because we had, have, had, have, do sin, that separates us from God and we can't get back on the right side with God. We're over here, God wants us back. And so he sent Jesus to pay the price that allows us to come back. In retail, it's called redemption, right? In the Bible, it's called redemption. Something was offered to buy us back. Or here's a better one. All of you Hollywood movie aficionados, this one will make it even simpler to understand. Elsewhere, Paul uses the word ransom. That that we were held hostage by our sin. It took us away from God and, and we were under that. And we couldn't get out from that. And God didn't send Liam Neeson and his very particular set of skills, though I'm sure he would have had a red hot go and made taken four. Um, He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to pay the ransom. You get this? So that we could be set free from our sin. Okay, Paul keeps writing. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear the world of sin. So I'm talking about. And, and this is one, we, are, we already understand this one. See, when people are doing the wrong thing and you get somehow get exposed to that, a news headline, one of your people in your sphere tells you something, some injustice, some wrongdoing, seeing invasion in Ukraine, seeing mass shootings in parts of the world, seeing things that, that are less than God's best, very obviously less than God's best, No argument. We have a response, at least I hope we have a response 
that goes along the lines of that should not happen, right? First, that's the first one, hopefully. And then followed by somebody should pay for that. The perpetrator should be punished for that. Well, God, he played by those exact same rules when it comes to us and our sin. He, he, he looks at us and he says, you're better. Why are you thinking that way? Why are you speaking that way? Why are you doing those things? You really, my best for you is that you stop. But, and then he's like, yeah, and, and I'm a God of justice. So I concede that somebody should be punished for that. But if this doesn't give you a reason to be grateful, I don't know what would. Instead of punishing us, God put the punishment we deserved on Jesus. Hello. And having faith in him sets us in the clear. Not by doing more good than bad, not by following all the rules or more than 50% of the rules, more than 50% of the time, having faith in Jesus sets us in the clear. And this was Jesus' MO. He trusted that in many cases, people who would respond yes to his invitation to follow him would at some point have an aha moment that he is who he says it. You don't have to believe to follow. That following will, in many cases, not 100%, lead to belief. And again, it's not belief in just what Jesus did. It's belief in who he is. And that, that moment, which we call salvation, sets us in the clear. It's the believe moment. Now, as I mentioned, there's a third piece obey and hopefully we as followers and believers will want to obey and trust that Jesus is going to lead us to better places but that's in two weeks time we really hope you got a lot out of this message if you live in the Perth area we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences for times and directions as well as information head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.